Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. It's good. It's great. If, if you live to be 100, I hope to be 100 minus one day so I never have to live without you. That's a bit, that's a bit cute. Friendship, C.S. Lewis, that was Winnie the Pooh, in case you didn't know who was... The next guy, um, um, C.S. Lewis said this about friendship. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Mr. Anonymous said this, uh, A friend is someone who understands your past, believes in your future, accepts you just the way you are. Ed Cunningham, I don't know if that's um, anyone that I know, but this is what he said. Friends are those rare people who ask how we are and then wait to hear the answer. And then Winnie the Pooh once again, if there is, if ever there is tomorrow when we're not together, there is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think. But most important thing is, even if we're apart, I'm always with you. And then there's another little Winnie the Pooh that I haven't written here, but it's there. Um, We'll be friends forever, won't we, Pooh? Asked Piglet. 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 Um, Even longer, Pooh answered. I like that. Interesting that we can learn so much wisdom from a small stuffed bear. But Pooh is reminding us that friendship is a very, very important thing in our lives. Yes? And he, he nailed it a number of times, not just once. It wasn't a fluke that he got a, a good thought about friendship. He landed well. Friends understand us. They love us. They cheer us on. They stay. They listen. They care. They make it worth staying around. Um, What is also an important thing to realise when it comes to friendship is that their opinion of us matters hugely. Um, People may say lots of things about us, but maybe the ones that we listen to the most are our friends. Because there's something that they see, something that they um, have experienced that in a way gives them a, uh, maybe an authority to speak into our lives in a way that we listen to. So, John 15, 15, Jesus says this of us. I no longer call you servants 
because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call I have called you friends. Now, as you think about that, and you think about what remarkable statement that is. Firstly, we have Jesus, who is the tangible, visible expression in every way of God himself. Jesus is God, and he turns to us and he says, I want you to be my friend. That's like, wow. All those things that Pooh said, Jesus is saying, you matter to me. Let's be friends. I don't know about me. Um, every now and again, I, I take a pondering moment and reflect the fact that the God of this universe, the one who said, let there be light, who said, let there be day and night, who said, let there be sea and may the sea teem with living creatures, may there be animals on the ground. The one who said that and the cosmos responded and these things came into being, that one comes to you and he comes to me and he says, let's be friends. That's just a little bit, a little bit out there, <laughs> but huge and profound. Now, um, tonight I want to explore what it means for God and us to be friends. Now, I think we get how to be friends with other humans, like people who aren't God. Um, even though Jesus was human, but the, the non-human, the non-God humans amongst us, I think we get that. But how does it work with God? Well, first thing, um, I, I want to use this whole idea of symmetry um, Good friendship with other people is broadly symmetrical. Now, I've had to bring in images of houses because I like doing houses. Um, I'm not looking at the garden because the garden is not symmetrical. <laughs> you might have picked that up, hopefully straight away. Um, but the house is quite symmetrical. Balconies, windows, picket um, handrails. You've done really well. Um, in friendship there's, that we have with each other, there's a sense of I love you, you love me. Same, same, you know, give and take. We, we um, in a way, how we treat each other is how we want them to treat us, I treat them the same way. So there's a sort of a, a give and take. Does that make sense? So it's a, it's, it's a little bit more symmetrical. What happens one side happens the other side, and that's how friendships build. You have respect for each other. You share. I share a story. You share a story. I love you. You love me. All that sort of stuff. I care for you. You care for me. And so that seems to make sense. But it's really interesting. You, um, you wouldn't say to a friend... You are my friend if you do what I command. Would you? That, that just wouldn't make sense. It's sort of like, ooh. What did you say then? You, we're going to be friends if I do what you, what, what you tell me to do. Well, well, that's, you know, you'd wonder, like, oh, what planet are you living on? Um, to sort of talk to me as your friend like that. 
However, in the passage that we're looking at tonight, this is what Jesus says to us. You're my friend if you do what I command. So, I want to challenge our thinking about friendship when it comes to friendship with the Lord. Because I think friendship with the Lord is not so symmetrical, but more asymmetrical, or however one would say it. Different languages, you say it quite differently. Voila, the next house. Pretty groovy, eh? This is an asymmetrical house. It is not even left to right. There is differences on the right, differences on the left. And while the first house looked great, this house also looks great um, and functions and works as a house. Um, so relationship with God is different. Friendship with God is different. So I'm going to go to the passage that we're looking at tonight and I'm going to have it on the screen in a whole bunch of different ways, but it may be helpful that you want to bring it up. Um, I'm going to be reading from John 15, 12 through 15. And what I want to do is I want to look at this passage and look at it how um, it helping us understand what friendship with God is all about. So I want to actually work through a bit of what this passage is saying. And then I want to stop and go, all right, well, how, how do we be friends with the Lord? Because I don't know about you, but you know, if, if you had a thing and, and people asked you who are your friends, you'd go, oh yeah, Bill, Fred, Jesus, and they're going, what? You know, it's, it's a little bit different with Jesus. Anyway, let's just, I want to read it first and then we want to dive into five points that I think this teaches us about friendship with Jesus. So my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. So the first thing um, about friendship with Jesus is this whole idea is that uh, it starts with his love towards us. He calls us to love others as he has loved us. In other words, it began with his love. And we read in the beginning of 13, so if you go to the next one there, as I have loved you, in the very first couple of words of verse 13 says, greater love. And so this, this sense that not only has God loved us, but he's loved us with greater love, like enormous love. And so when you think about that, you realize that God has already loved us with everything that he has. I love to ponder that sense that even before my life began, God knew about me. He knew about my existence. He knew about who I was. And as he shaped and formed me, he was thinking about that and wondering, what am I going to do with this guy or this girl? How am I going to shape their lives? And his love was poured in into us even at that space. And so the first thing we see is that God has loved us, that he has directed his love towards us. And it's, it's as great as it possibly could be. And so to some extent, even before we've begun a friendship with Jesus, he has already loved us completely and wholly and fully. And so it's very, in a way, one-sided. He's done all the loving and we've just done all the, oh my goodness, Jesus is loving me. 
The second thing that we note about friendship with God is that he laid down his life. Now, in other parts of Scripture, very rarely, uh, you know, it, it says, very rarely will somebody lay down their life for someone else. But here we have Jesus going, I want you to know the, the length to which I will go to establish my friendship with you. Now we know, many of us here know the whole Jesus story. That Jesus died for us, he died for us on the cross. But that sense of personal sacrifice is this second point of realising that God will go to the complete extent, the full extent of all that he needs to do to express his love and friendship towards us. We haven't been asked to lay down our life for Jesus, but he laid down his life for us so that he could be friends, that we could be friends. So firstly, he's loved us in the greatest way. The second thing in his, which, which we aren't able to do, I can't love God the way he has loved me. I might be able to do with, with, with Kath or with you guys in terms of friendship, but I can't love God the same way Jesus has loved me. I haven't been asked, and he doesn't ask us to lay down our life, but he has already done that for us for the friendship. So it's really interesting. We get to this next, the question or the, the passage, verse 14, that I, I quoted before, is Jesus saying, if you're my friends, you'll do what I command. Now, now in, as I said, in friendship like we would have, that would be a, quite a strange statement to say. But here we have Jesus who has already loved us enormously, who, who knows us, who shaped us before the world began, who has this purpose for us. He's given us everything. The full extent of God's love is poured out in Jesus towards us so that we could be friends. And then he says to us, as a friend of mine, will you do what I ask? And you go, well, when you consider that Jesus knows me better than myself, that Jesus is purpose for my life and plan for my life is, a very, is the very best thing that I could possibly even dream or want for, then for him to ask, will you obey me, then what I'm, what I'm in a way choosing to do, because I've said there, we gladly obey, is realising that if Jesus' direction for my life, is he, if his purpose for my life is for my welfare, for my good, for my benefit. Well, then if he asked me to do something, well, then surely would that not be a good thing to do? You know, if your friend knew something that you didn't know and told you you should do this, then you sort of go, okay, that's a worthwhile thing. But here's Jesus who knows our past, he knows our present, he knows our future, and says, will you trust me enough as a friend, to do what I command, to do what I ask of you, you sort of go, well, yeah, I would. In my love for you, in my response to your love and your friendship aiming towards me, Jesus, I actually, yeah, I think I would. In fact, I do. I want to. I want to actually obey what you command, not because you're this tyrant who demands these terrible things for me to do, but you're a loving, caring God and friend who says to me, Phil, this is the way you should walk, then walk in it. And I'm going, yeah, God, I want to do that. Because I know, I trust that God knows enough 
about my life, my purpose and my destiny, that when he asks me of something, then I'm going, okay, I'm up for it. Make sense? So the fourth thing is that we're informed. Jesus lets us know what's going on. It's this really interesting that we're told all that we need to enable us to gladly follow him. Where uh, this, this beautiful thing is that when we become friends with Jesus, he, he puts his spirit in us. And now in other parts of scripture, that spirit is called the spirit of truth. And so there's this sense of revelation that comes through becoming Christ's friend. I don't know about you, but when, when you become a Christian, when you choose to accept Jesus as your friend, then what we read in here, now I know this is a bit tattered, it's very tattered in fact, but this is God's word, and um, this just makes a whole lot more sense. Because God's presence in us, so he, he not only wants to be our friend, but in so doing, he chooses to say, well, the difference between a servant and a friend is a servant does without any knowledge. You just have to obey. Whereas a friend does and responds because you know. There is a knowing that the Lord gives us as friends. Now, we may not understand all things because we're not in heaven yet, nor are we God. But there is a knowing that God brings us in being his friend that helps us deeply trust him. And so Jesus says, you're my friend because I tell you everything that I hear from the Father. There's this sense that this choice to go, you know what, Father? I'm going to let them know what's happening here. And it's really interesting in Scripture. It talks about this mystery of ages that was held. And then Jesus comes and reveals this mystery about what, what on earth is going on. What is God's grand plan? Like we sit here, you know, in, in 2019. We're in the middle of, you know, this is humanity. This is the world. This is our life. We're in the middle of a life. But we know that our life is not, is not incidental. We know that our life has significant and purpose. We know that our life actually matters and that what I do in my life can actually change other people's lives for eternity. You know, as we share the story of God, as we share this story that we've been caught up in and swept up in, we can transform somebody's life, not only just them to have a happy day, but in fact we could change somebody's absolute eternity because we've been told this story... That is huge. That it's not just an arbitrary thing. That God had purpose and plan and that 2,000 years ago Jesus came to actually redirect the whole of human history. And the fact that right now we've been invited into not only just believing in God but bringing his presence into people's worlds and seeing that with God's presence people's lives absolutely change. Because we know right now that this world is ruled by dark forces, by the enemy. He has, he has control over so much of this world. And yet Christ has come in to displace the work of the enemy, to reverse it, in a way to reverse what happened at the fall. When men choose, chose to reject God, 
and then be separated, Jesus came to welcome them home, to walk them back into that place of intimacy. The curtain was torn. We get, we get, we get welcomed into that place of absolute intimacy. And here's Jesus saying, I'm calling you friends because I'm telling you this is what's going on. And Jesus has always wanted his creation as friends. So it's huge. So point number four, that sense of we're informed. Then the third, the final thing um, in this is this whole idea of, in a way, welcomed into family. And it's picked up even though the other passages are more direct. This one is more to do with the fact that Jesus is talking about our, our, our hearing from the Father. He's also talking about the fact that um, that that we are called into the Father's business of loving everyone, and so uh, it's it's interesting. Um, J. I. Packer, an author, some of you who've been around for a while, will that name will be familiar. He said in answering the question, "What is a Christian?" He said, "A Christian is one who has God as Father." Interesting. Out of all the things that Packer thought he could say. He said to him, the most important thing is that distinguishes a Christian from somebody else is that they realize that God is their father and they live as a son or a daughter. So we are welcomed into family. So how do we, how do we live as friends of God? Well, the first thing is, is that we stop living as a servant. Remember, Jesus is using this comparison. Now, in, remember in those days, um, the servant idea is not somebody who is like in a jail. They're not, they're not a slave. They're not, they're not in, a, in a jail. They're, they're part of a family, but um, they don't have the privileges of the family. They may live in a separate space. They're told what to do. They don't get uh, a look in on any of the reasons what's going on in terms of the family business. They're just told what to do and follow along. And, um, and so one of the things that we have to learn is to actually stop living and speaking like a servant. Now, I, I want to use this... Uh, to bring up a story that we've looked at before because it brings up this whole idea of servanthood, um, of being a servant and being a son. Now we're looking at John 15, but if you go back to Luke 15, that lovely story of the prodigal. Remember these two sons? One is a son, rejects the family, messes things up and comes back and says to his dad... I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a servant. And then we have another son who has stayed at home, done what his father has told him, and this is what he said to his father when he was a bit, a bit annoyed, mind you, that there was a party for the younger son who had come back. He said, all these years I've been slaving for you, and never disobeyed your orders. So here was a son who is acting like a servant, and another son who had done what he thought was inexcusable, and so he was no longer deserving or worthy of being a son. 
So I believe when it comes to this whole idea of, of being in the family, being a friend of Jesus and a son, of, a son or a daughter of God, there's two things that we have to grapple with. One is the whole idea of, do I have to earn God's favour to be in the family or to be a daughter or to be a son or to be Jesus' friend? Or have I done what has now disqualified me from being a son or a daughter? Two things. Get them. On one hand, we've got this whole idea of, I feel like I need to earn God's favour. And on the other hand, I've been bad so that I am now longer, I'm now concerned about whether I'm now disqualified from being in the family. Two things, and both of those things were being challenged by in that story of the returning prodigal and the older brother. One thought he had been so bad he was no longer worthy to be called a son and said, I'll be a servant. And another one who was always a son, always in the family, but acted like a servant. And so when I say, how do we live um, as friends of God? We have to stop speaking and living like a servant. So what does that mean? We don't have to earn God's favour. We don't have to work to please God. We don't have to wonder if God really loves us. We don't have to keep God at a distance. No more slave or servant thinking. And I would say that in my life, there's times that I have felt both. There's times that I've felt like I've messed up and I'm like, God, do you really... Do you really want to use me? Am I still worthy? Am I still able to do the things that you want me to do? Because I feel like I've, I've messed. And then at other times I've gone, Lord, I'm hoping I'm being okay. I'm hoping I'm doing what I need to. Am I making sure? And maybe I'm more worried about pleasing people or pleasing God, trying to do all the stuff to say, gee, I hope I'm going okay for you. And so there's these two things that I think many of us battle, can battle with in our life. And you may even be thinking now, yeah, I feel like I've got to try and prove myself to God for him to actually be my friend. Or maybe you're going right now, yeah, I just feel like I've done a whole bunch of stuff that's been so dumb and I wonder if God really loves me. I wonder if what I've done has now disqualified me from being in that inner place. Because for me, it's interesting that in both cases, when you look at the prodigal, the father addresses both of them as son. To the, the young one who goes away, messes things up, comes home and says, I'm not worthy of being your son, he celebrates and says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. And then he goes to the older brother and he says, my son, the father said. This is a really interesting statement and probably worth a little bit more time on. He says, right, this is the last, second last verse of this, this story. It says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So what does it mean to be a son or a daughter? Firstly, to realise that you are always with the Lord. He is always there. 
And the second thing is, is that, and this is huge, everything God has is ours. Can I just let that linger for a moment? What on earth does that mean? Everything God has is mine. I wonder what that means for you. As you sit here going, yeah, I know I'm a daughter. I, I know I'm a son. What does, it, what does that verse mean? Because that's what the father said to the son at home who thought he was a servant. And he said, no, you're not a servant. You're a son. And to be a son, it's like I'm here. We're together every day. You don't have to slave over the things that I've asked you to do. You're here you're part of the family and everything you see around me is yours. And yet in his mind, he was thinking, I have to obey my dad. I have to do what he tells me to do. I can't, I can't kill the fattened calf to have a, have a party with my friends. I can't. I'm, I'm this. You know, he was servant thinking. And so I want to challenge us. Are we servant thinking? Are we thinking that we have to do this stuff we have to treat God like a master rather than a dad. We have a dad. So, Christ died not to expose our sin, but to remove it and to bring us life. So we're called to live as sons and daughters. So quickly, a few things that that looks like. Realise that our actions and words can bless God. I was at university one day. This is a long time ago when I was at university because I'm a little bit older now. But I was sitting, I went to New South Wales University and there was a quadrangle where everyone sat and had lunch. And I can't remember what was going on, but I remember sitting there and realising for the very first time in my life that I could actually do something that would bless God. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we wonder that. Sometimes we may have this idea is that my life, I, I rarely obey God or I rarely get it right. Thank God for Jesus, otherwise I'd be completely messed up. But my life is basically hanging on the saving work of Christ and that God likes me only because Jesus died for me. Are you, are you getting the subtlety there? That we may think that the only reason why we're acceptable to God that is, is because my whole life is a mess other than the fact that Christ... So thank goodness for Christ. I mean, yes, Christ dies for our sins and makes us all sorted. But there's a sense that God doesn't like me. And I realized, I guess, on that day that, that there's things in my life that I actually can do that will actually bless God. That will bless him. That he'll go, well done. Good on you, mate. Now, I might not do it perfectly, given that. But I may do it sufficiently well <laughs> that will actually God go, well done. Good on you, mate. You've, you've done great things. Like you cared for somebody, you spoke a nice word, you, you helped an old lady across the road. You know, I thought I'd throw that in because you should always help an old lady across the road. Um, so, so I think the first thing is, it's interesting because it's in scripture. Here we go. Hebrews, I know I haven't put this up here, but just listen to this for a second. Hebrews 13 says this, Now may the God of peace, 
who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And he may work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. So the sense is, is that God is at work in us to help us do things that just bless God's socks off. How cool is that? Like that's, I, I, I'm stoked by that. I think that's so unreal that we can actually do stuff that blesses God. The second thing is remember and welcome, welcome the sanctifying work of God that is happening constantly in our lives. God is at work in us. Firstly, God put his spirit in us and this, the work of the spirit is in us is transforming us to become like Christ. And so it's to, if we're going to be friends of Jesus, it's to continue to let that, the, the wonderful Holy Spirit work in our lives. And the third thing is, is go produce good fruit. Interesting, right at the end of the passage that we've been looking at tonight is, is this passage that says, um, um, well, in fact, it's just after. Let me turn to it so I don't miss it. Verse 16 says this. Really interesting to remember. You did not choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you. Now, I don't know, when you go shopping, you choose normally good stuff, yeah? Yeah, yeah? Like stuff that works, stuff that looks good, stuff that's okay. Well, God chose you. He doesn't choose rubbish. He chooses what's good. He chooses things that he loves, people that he loves. He, cho he chose us. And then he says, he chose, I chose you, said Jesus, and appointed you so that you, may not, so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so being a friend of Jesus is also doing that stuff. Realising in, in Ephesians it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are made for good things. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen? Cool. Um, why don't we stand? And I, I feel like um, it would be really good for us just to let the Spirit minister to us. I feel like one thing I want to challenge is that uh, I want to ask that really big question is do you feel like you're a friend of Jesus? He's invited all of us to be his friends. Are you a friend? Have you in a way said yes? Said, yeah, Jesus, I want to be your friend. I want you in my life. I, I want to be loved by you, experience all that you've you've. You know, you've planned for me and at the same time serve you and honour you. So thinking about this. So let me just pray. Jesus, we bless you that in your, in your boldness, you invited every one of us to be friends, to be your friend to be somebody that we can rely on and trust in, a friend that we can be loved by, cared for by, to hang out with, 
to believe in, to walk alongside, to share life with. Jesus, you invite us to share our lives with you. All that we experience, as Mike said tonight, not just the good stuff, some of the hard stuff, the thing that's full in our weeks and all that sort of stuff. We share everything with you, Lord Jesus. A part of who we are, Lord Jesus, we realize is to be friends. So Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you now just to settle over each of us.